When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Daily And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, everyone. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. On a Monday, coming up, the Super Bowl is finally set. We will look back at yesterday's NFC Championship game along with the AFC Championship game as well and then look ahead to the Chiefs and the 49ers. At 6.40, we recap an absolutely wild weekend and a ton of storylines in the NBA before naming our MVP of the weekend during the 7 o'clock hour. That is followed by more NFL news, including what is next for Bill Belichick. Will he have a job on the sidelines? Will he not? Will he do TV? We'll talk about that. And then finally, during the 8 o'clock hour, a preview of today's slate in the association. Then we'll once again look ahead to the Super Bowl and chat with the Dockster at 8.40. Chelsea, what is going on as we start the week Good morning. Uh, well, I have pink eye or what appears oh, to be no. pink eye. I put a bunch of eye drops in my eye and I tried to put makeup on it, but it's not looking my best. So if you're looking at the screen and you're saying, oh, why is she, isn't she opening that one eye? That is because <clears throat> I have pink eye. So I started the morning with my eyes glued shut. It has not been the best of mornings. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Bob Costas once did this while covering the Olympics many, many moons ago. And I thought, the gumption, the guts, oh my God, the strength, the internal fortitude to go on the air and say, I'm still going to do my job. And there you are on a Monday getting it done. It, it doesn't look, actually, I kind of, I can barely see it, but I got to look for it. So I think you're going to be fine. I'm surprised you're here though, because pink eye can actually make you feel terrible too. Oh, well, what a surprise. I feel terrible, too. Uh, but I'm Oh, here. there you go. I mean, it's it's not like I'm doing some kind of manual labor or workout, so I'll be fine. Plus, there's a lot to talk about, so I didn't want to miss it. Uh, so I'm here. It's not going to be me at 100%, and please don't look at me and say, God, Chelsea, she looks like she got hit by a truck. It's because I have pink eye, damn it. So it's just harder for me to put on makeup because my eye is just, you know, full of crusts and watery stuff. But yes, I am here and we will do the show. We will because we do have so much to get into. Before we do that, let's go over what we saw with the weekend as far as our best bets. And you only had one on the card because you had a good week. 
Yeah, uh, this one kind of sucked to lose. Uh, had Brock Purdy over his passing yardage attempt against the Lions. He finished 13 yards short, which kind of sucked. We should have got it in the last drive of the game for the Niners, but they had two big runs, one by Brock Purdy himself, uh, showing he has some wheels as well. And then Christian McCaffrey had a big run. So that one kind of stunk. It felt like we were going to get this the entire game. The live line on his passing yardage was 340. Luckily, the only good thing mm-hmm. I did in this game was, you know, take the under on that because that seemed wildly too high. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to hedge here, at least maybe get a middle, which would be great. But instead, I just ended up with a winner and a loser. So a loser for me, Brock Purdy over his passing yardage prop. I did not have the guts after all the talking I did during the week to bet on the NFL. And I'm glad I didn't because I would have been wrong. But I did have Avalanche on the money line hosting the Kings on Friday night. That was a winner. Donkster also had the under in that game. And then the Donkster was on Lions Niners under 51 and a half. And that was a win for the Donkster or a loss, I should say. So we had, yeah, yeah he took an L on that one so for the week chelsea you went four and two i went five and three and the donkster went four and seven as long as we're winning it's all that matters it is a daily tip from bql presented by mgm i'm jake she is chelsea i'm i would say i'm 92 percent chelsea i'm gonna say oh man i saw a cough while you were muted there i'm gonna say 64 percent they're still grinding along because it's the playoffs and let's talk about the playoffs last night and the nfc championship game where the niners escaped the lions 34 31 the lions were getting seven and a half points the niners were minus 400 or 500 total set at 43 and a hook the over hits it was ugly early for san francisco They were down 24-7 at the half before rallying to win it, including an incredible 51-yard pass that deflected off a defender's face mask and into the hands of Brandon Ayuk, maybe the highlight of that game. The Niners get 17 points during an eight-minute span of the fourth quarter, thanks to Brock Purdy, 267 yards, a touchdown in the air, 48 yards on the ground, while Christian McCaffrey getting it done as well what was the eventual winning touchdown. So they got to get more red zone trips because they're excellent when they get there. McCaffrey second goal. Up and in. Touchdown, San Francisco. McCaffrey's going to get it. And he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Call courtesy of Fox. So it is San Francisco pulling away late. They get a rematch with the Chiefs from their Super Bowl meeting four years ago. This was the fourth largest comeback ever in NFL playoff history in a championship game. And Chelsea, it's the second straight week that the Niners have fallen behind and showing a lot of heart to come from behind and get it done in the clutch. And conversely, this has to be a soul crushing loss. Just absolutely soul crushing For Detroit Lions fans, imagine having this big of a lead and thinking, boy, after all of these years, we're finally going to a Super Bowl. Not so fast, my friend. You blow a 17-point lead en route to a loss on the road to the Niners. And the Niners certainly deserve their flowers here. The resiliency it took to stay in this game and make those big plays, Brandon Ayuk, hat tip to you, my friend. It did feel like that was the turning point of this game. But still, the Lions had it. They couldn't hold on to it. There were some questionable choices by Dan Campbell down the stretch. I feel like 
I have pink eye and I still feel sorry for the Lions fans. I think mm-hmm. they might feel up, uh, wake up feeling worse than I do. Well, they should certainly, it was an amazing season. You won't have that feeling set in for a while when you've had a great season and you get this close. I will say, and look, it's never really on one player or a head coach. And that that's that's a very simple way of looking at complex outcomes. But I will say there were a couple of calls here, and that was a part of the handicap going in where we thought, if Dan Campbell does what we've seen for most of the season, which is be super aggressive, even in spots where maybe he shouldn't or it's obvious he shouldn't, that could be the difference. So he left points on the board here, even, and I think I think there were two different times when he failed on three different attempts to go for it on fourth down. And, and for me, the most egregious was when the Niners had all of that momentum and you had a chance to just Put points on the board, right? Tie this game, slow the momentum of the Niners a little bit and reset because you've got plenty of game left. And instead, you cost yourself twofold. A, you didn't tie the game. And then B, immediately you keep that Niners momentum going. So again, it's not just on Dan Campbell. but coaching is clearly a huge part of the NFL, particularly in big moments like this. And that came back to bite them. Yeah, for sure. I know that this is kind of what you get when you have a head coach because you get to this point because of his aggressiveness and because of his personality. But the Mm -hmm. same side of the coin, you score seven points total in the second half. And, you know, one of those was kind of in garbage time. So it just felt like a a Lions team that kind of crumbled down the stretch as well. They had some big plays. The offense certainly continued to chug in the second half, but they just couldn't put points on the board. So some of it's Dan Campbell, but some of it's also the team and also the defense in the second half. Obviously, when you give up 27 points in a second half, the defense deserves some of the blame as well but like you said for the second straight week san francisco skates by with a big come from behind win this is not something that i thought san francisco was built to do play from Mm -hmm. behind but you know here they are now sitting with their ticket punched to the super bowl and isn't it about time that we finally gave some credit to brock purdy i mean it was time weeks ago but in two straight seasons He has led his team to the NFC Championship game, got injured, didn't get to play in that game, essentially. And then now the Niners are back in the Super Bowl. I don't know what in the world you want else to see for Brock Purdy where you say, all right, this guy's really good. So he was good with his arm, no question about that. Protected the football last night, had a touchdown pass. But also, he was very good on the ground, had a scramble in that game that was really crucial for the Niners in the second half. So even if you listen to the Niners after the game, they'll tell you, this guy's our leader. Nobody doubts him. He gets criticism that isn't warranted all the time for no damn good reason, just outside of the fact that he's Mr. Irrelevant. I guarantee you, had Brock Purdy been drafted in the first or second round, this narrative would not exist. But people still just can't get over the fact that, ah, this guy was drafted late, drafted late, drafted late. And they say, oh, the Niners have weapons. All those things are true. But they would not be this far without Brock Purdy. So good on him for in a massive spot having to lead his team from behind. It's time to acknowledge how beneficial and how very good he is as an NFL quarterback. 
He certainly deserves some credit, but there were some throws in this game that he kind of got lucky on. Number one, the one that bounced off the defender's helmet and into Brandon Ayuk's hands. Because he also threw a pick in this game. So I think that, you know, some of the flowers need to be spread around. Christian McCaffrey certainly deserves some of those flowers. Because I'm not looking at this game and saying, oh, this is single-handedly Brock Purdy putting the team on his back. He did really well, but there were still some throws in there that should have been interceptions. But, you know, he kind of got a little lucky with some of them. But still, to get to the Super Bowl, you deserve your flowers all around. So you're right. But there were moments for the Brock Purdy haters to simply point and say, see, see, he kind of gets lucky Well, that's what I'm saying. It happens to every quarterback. That's my whole, any quarterback in the NFL all the time will have passes that should have been interceptions. Passes that were maybe not the best decision that the quarterback should have made in that moment. You know, oh, maybe you should have gotten gotten the football, got rid of it instead of taking a sack. It happens all the time in the NFL. But when you have a certain way that you look at a quarterback, if you're going to look at a quarterback through a certain frame or a certain lens, you'll take something that you wouldn't even pass an eye or bat an eye at for another quarterback. But Brock Purdy say, see, 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 he's lucky. See, he's lucky. If it happened to Patrick Mahomes, you'd say, yeah, every quarterback makes a bad pass. So I agree with that. But regardless, this is a very good Niners team that has the weapons to have a quarterback who is still learning and still getting better in the NFL to make it easier on him. Both things can be true. I think that's what you what it comes down to is that am I saying this team would be nothing without Brock Purdy? Of course not. Of course he has tons of weapons around him. But as we saw last year in the NFC Championship game, if any guy could just go in there and get it done, they could have just plugged and played and been just fine, and that wasn't the case. Well, especially when the defense kind of lets you down. They gave up 31 points in this game. This is not like the old Niners teams of the past that had Jimmy Garoppolo and he can throw two interceptions and they still win a game because the defense is just so strong. The defense in back-to-back weeks has looked very beatable. And maybe that is your question mark going into the Super Bowl is the fact that the defense is not really trending in the right direction. Of course, Mm -hmm. they had some big stops in the second half, uh, really limited the lines in the second half. So I guess there's that. But still, a defense that certainly was not the deciding factor here. I'm just saying that this is more like an ensemble cast as opposed to a movie where you have the lead actor that's just really, you know, taking up all the screen time and really carrying the film. Because it was a good thing that Debo Samuel was back in this game. He had a big one, led all receivers with 89 yards and uh, eight receptions. And of course, we talked about how big of an impact he has on the overall offense, even when he's not catching passes. And then Brandon Ayuk, probably the MVP of the game. So I just feel like that is the case against Brock Purdy. It's just that the guys are so good around him. And I know all good quarterbacks have good players around him. But as you're watching the Chiefs game, you know, Patrick Holmes stands out. And there's, what, a couple good receivers? Like, it's just a different viewing experience. And, you know, Brock Purdy is very, very good. But nobody's putting him in the conversation with Patrick Holmes, is all I'm saying. No, exactly. And also, San Francisco scored 34 points yesterday. So the Chiefs had 17. So I know what it should ever put anyone in the same box as as Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player on the planet. I think that goes without saying. But at the same time, people say, look at Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Patrick Mahomes was great yesterday. San Francisco had more weapons. 
to work with. And guess what? They went up 34 and had to come back. So it, it's all relative, right? At the end of the day, we're going to get what looks to be the two best teams in the National Football League. And then we will talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs yesterday because that was fascinating on a lot of different levels. But also, I will say, one of the things going in that we'll hear more and more about, oh, these same storylines, Chelsea, are just going to go again and again and again. And Kyle Shanahan trying to get another ring. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear Kansas City's dynasty. That's going to be another thing. You're going to hear Patrick Mahomes, can he catch Tom Brady? That's going to be a thing. Brock Purdy, is he really an elite quarterback? Oh, my God. It's just going to go on and on and on. And you know what? We're going to lean right into it. Coming up next here on the show, the Chiefs do what they always do. Heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. We're going to talk about Ravens Chiefs. That is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Mm-hmm. And the Super Bowl is set. In moments, we will talk about yesterday's AFC Championship game. And I think a game that, at least from a coaching perspective and strategy perspective, maybe was more interesting than what we saw between the Lions and the Niners out West. Chelsea, when do you get excited for the Super Bowl? Like, are you now, you're waking up, I know you don't feel great today. They're like, hell yes, two full weeks of nothing but Super Bowl prep, Super Bowl coverage, Super Bowl stories, Super Bowl commercials, Usher's going to be at halftime. Or do you think, all right, just let's give it a rest and then I'll be excited in a week and a half. No, I definitely get excited. It's the Super Bowl. Like, we get excited here on the show for daily NBA games. For Sun Belt basketball, for the worst MLB games you can think of. Oh, the Pirates and the Rockies? Yeah, we're doing that too. So in our world, I feel like I'm very excited. This is a huge game between two great teams, two massive storylines coming into this one. I know everybody and their mom is probably going to be rooting against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's wild the villain narrative that Kansas City has taken on. And it's crazy. During the game... Normally, I feel like I root for Travis Kelsey, but he was running his mouth quite a bit in that game. And I kind of found myself saying, all right, let's give it a rest, Travis Kelsey. We know you're mm-hmm. having a vintage game. We know you're dating <laughs> a pop superstar. But, like, do you have to get in these guys' faces? Just catch the ball and move on. There was definitely some chippiness in that game, but I don't know. I feel like most of America will be rooting for the Niners. Yes. I think people who aren't, who aren't, you know, into either team, don't have an allegiance to either team. I woke up to an Instagram message from a friend of mine. She was like, are we really going to do this again? Didn't we get the same Super Bowl like four years ago? And that COVID happened. I was like, yes, that's true. That did happen. But it's just exhaustion. This is the same thing. And mainly it's because of the Chiefs. Because we saw the same thing with the Patriots during their run where they have an all-time quarterback. You know everything about them. Now the publicity given to them is, well, kind of similar. And this kind of hit me. 
when Tom Brady was with Giselle, and I'm not saying Giselle is on the same level as Taylor Swift, but then you have some star power added to it because one of the star players is dating someone that is also in the public eye, and they just keep winning. Even when you think they're not going to win, they win again. And so the Chiefs are a victim of just winning. And so I would love to be someone who's my, who, who whose team just was was hated so much or people were tired of my favorite team just because they were winning all the time. But that's what the Chiefs are right now. That's that's who they are. And I think if there's any sort of exhaustion there, it's just because they're they're doing this every single year, but that's why they're so great. Well, that and Travis Kelsey's on every other commercial. Cuz that's what it is for me. It's not the winning. It's just that we have been force-fed Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes in every single commercial. So I think it's not just the winning thing. I think that definitely plays a huge role. Uh, but for me personally, because I want to see good teams in the championships. Like, don't you want to see the best teams competing mm-hmm. for the overall title of whatever sport it is? So I'm fully on board with that. And I do think it's an interesting narrative going into this one. The team that Patrick Mahomes has had to work with this year, the defense has mm-hmm. been otherworldly. But as far as the receivers go, I feel like there are very few quarterbacks that could take this team and this offense that granted, at least Travis Kelsey is back to looking like himself and Isaiah Pacheco looks like he's Mm -hmm. running shot out of a cannon. But still, I feel like Patrick Mahomes has done one of his best jobs ever at staying somewhat composed despite some of his receivers really dragging him down. Like we almost had a rematch of the very first game of the year. Remember the first game between the Lions and the Chiefs? And the Chiefs had like those terrible drops. And I mm-hmm. think, was that the game that Kadarius Tony lined up offsides? I'm trying to remember. Maybe it wasn't that game, but I know the receivers cost him. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was certainly a legitimate storyline and a legitimate concern for the Chiefs. So even now, if you're saying, well, this could happen again, well, guess what? In the playoffs, That's one area that they have really strengthened and tightened up, which is why they're where they are. So let's get into what we saw yesterday in Charm City, where Kansas City beats Baltimore 17 to 10. The Chiefs were getting four and a half points. Late money came in on the Ravens. The Chiefs plus 180 on the money line. Total set at 44. The under hits easily. What was really a defensive battle. Patrick Mahomes starts off really hot. Goes 30 of 39 overall, one touchdown, no picks. Travis Kelsey, an absolute monster in this matchup. 11 catches, 116 yards, and a score. Then you have a chance to win this game. Well, last week, Houston did not have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Kelsey falls forward. They're not going to give it to him. It's going to be fourth and a foot. Kelsey with his seventh catch in the first half, and he now has the record alone. Man, and that record, the all-time catch record set in the NFL playoffs, breaking the old record set by the great Jerry Rice. You talk about incredible company. That's about as good as it gets. So the Chiefs beat the Bills, then the Ravens on the road in back-to-back weeks. They head to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five seasons, and they will look to become the first team to win the Super Bowl in back-to-back years since, of course, the Patriots did it 19 years ago. And there's a lot of ways you can look at this game. The Chiefs were the better team, and I feel like the Ravens, not just Lamar, who did not look good in this game, I thought the Ravens got outcoached. 
I thought they got outplayed. And I thought the Ravens did a terrible job of handling the emotion that comes with playing in a huge game like this. It felt to me that from the very beginning, the Chiefs used their experience to say the moment is not too big for us. It looked too big for Baltimore. Well, there were several moments in this game where I said to myself, wow, it feels like they're down 21 points, but they were only down 10. And I think the key moment was Zay Flowers fumbling in the end zone. That resulting in a touchback was an absolute gut punch for the Mm -hmm. Ravens. And after that, it felt like the air was let out of their tires. And then it felt like we were getting panicked football from Lamar Jackson and company because uh, in the end, I think it was the drive after that where they were moving the ball pretty well down the field. And then Lamar Jackson throws it up into, I believe, triple coverage for an interception. And then you get no points on the board. So it just felt like a Ravens team that was playing panicked. And I think this is what comes from a team that is usually playing with leads. Isn't this the knock on the Ravens and traditionally speaking, Lamar Jackson? It's not a team that's built to come from behind because they are so good at running the football. But when you have to when they have to beat you with their arm or I guess just Lamar Jackson, maybe that's when the haters enter the frame and they look at his playoff record, which is not good and say, okay, there is something about Lamar Jackson that he can't get it done in the biggest of games. But it feels like a very simplistic answer for something that is a little bit more complicated because look who he lost to Patrick Mahomes who is arguably probably one of the best underdogs of all time now sitting at 10 1 and 1 against the spread when getting points Patrick Mahomes is a very tough foe in the AFC so yes it's very easy to point at Lamar Jackson's playoff record and say okay this is a guy that chokes in the playoffs but look at some of the quarterbacks he's lost to like this is such a gauntlet of a conference in the AFC that some of it falls on Lamar for sure, but also look at who he lost to. I think the Ravens panicked. They absolutely panicked. The Chiefs didn't score in the second half of this game. And the Ravens are a team that suddenly decided they they panicked early with Kansas City getting those 10 points in the second quarter and said, oh my God, we got to throw. We got to throw. We got to throw. This wasn't late in the third or early in the fourth when maybe you did need to speed the game up. You had plenty of time to establish your ground game, which is one of the strengths that we have seen from the Ravens all season long. What Gus Edwards had, I think, three carries yesterday, something ridiculous. I think his the lowest amount of carries he'd have before yesterday all season long was five. They got away from their identity where they're throwing on first and second down, and they didn't need to. And then they put Lamar in situations where the Chiefs decided they would blitz, they would blitz, they would blitz, and they were waiting for patterns to develop so Lamar had nowhere to go. Now, Lamar played a bad game by his standards, but the Chiefs just got, just had the advantage in every area and how they approached this game. And also, how many times did we see the Ravens get a penalty called? I mean, Zay Flowers, God. What about that stretch he had where he he gets called for taunting, then the ball gets knocked out at the one-yard line, then he punches something on the sideline and bloodies his hand, cuts his hand. The Ravens just lost themselves and decided to get away from what made them successful, what helped them get here. And sometimes that happens. You overthink and you freak out in a big game. The Ravens got away from Ravens football yesterday. Yeah, why is Lamar Jackson not running the football? 
And I know that time was kind of an issue, you know, in the fourth quarter, but there was a time when there was eight minutes left. Run for a first down. And this is not just me saying that because I had, you know, some alternate bets on his rush yards. Why didn't we see Lamar Jackson running the football? What am I missing here? I, I don't know. I, like Honestly, I, I'm trying to figure out what the Ravens were thinking. They just, they were like, all right, let's just have Lamar throw it every down. We won't set up runs for him. And KC was like, fine. If you're not going to set up any slants or screens and you're just going to set him in the pocket while we blitz him, it's going to take time for those routes to develop. We're going to take him down. And they did. I, I just don't know what in the world was going on here. And across the board, they got out coached. They had plenty of times to go back to the run. They just didn't do it. And, and Lamar in certain spots, yeah, he was not good. That interception was terrible. But you're right. If you're looking for a real momentum changer, I mean, when Zay Flowers looked like he was going to cross the line there and that ball gets knocked out, you said it. A gut punch, yes. That's one of those that's one of those things where you've driven all the way down the field. A great drive. It's raining, and you look like you finally got some momentum. You finally got Kansas City on its heels. And then what happens? You give it away at the one. Oh my God. I turn to Kathy and I go, this game's over. And it wasn't over, but it it might as well have been, Chelsea. Right. Like you keep looking at the score and you're like, oh my God, like this feels like a three score game, but it wasn't after that, you know, incidents in the end zone or the red zone, I should say, it just felt like all the air was let out of the stadium and think about how big of a game this was. Wasn't that all we heard the week of this was this is the biggest game in Baltimore that they've had in decades, the biggest mm-hmm. home game, at least like obviously they played in a Super Bowl, but still this was a home game. They had all the big names there. Ray Lewis T sizzle was there. So you can feel the heartbreak that was in this game as well. And I feel like you don't get to this stage without, you know, having some heartbreak when you lose, Mm -hmm. but still the way that this one unfolded was certainly not the brand of Ravens football that I think fans saw all season long. So it was a great season for the Ravens, but you know, somebody has got to go home at this stage. And again, Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes now 10, one and one ATS as an underdog. I know the simps are always saying it. Don't bet against Patrick Mahomes when he's getting points. Uh, but it was the case here, and we'll see if it's the case in the Super Bowl as the Ravens, or excuse me, the Chiefs opened as two-and-a-half-point dogs, and quickly that line has went to one-and-a-half. So we will Mm -hmm. see if that narrative continues to hold. I'll tell you the one play that I thought that is perfectly how this game has gone for the Ravens, and it was late in the game when, of course, there had been a penalty on Baltimore. It's that final drive for the Chiefs, right? And the Chiefs have a first and five. So they they decided since the clock was stopped, let's have Roquan Smith on on purpose, like jump off sides here. And then what it'll do is it'll reset without the clock running at all. It'll be a first and 10 instead of a first and five. The problem is when they had him jump off sides on purpose, he bowled over the offensive lineman. So they were like personal foul and Ugh. It was smart to say, yeah, pin the Chiefs back a little bit or make it first and 10 because that'll make it more difficult for them to get a first down here. You're running out of timeouts, but don't do it where you cause a personal foul. You can walk across the line without just absolutely giving someone a shot to the face or a shot to the body, whatever. So even when they were trying to be smart, they just couldn't do it. 
Yeah. Uh, how about we talk about the winners for a quick sec? Travis, Kelsey, my goodness. Have we uh, awakened, awoken, awakened a beast? He looks like the old Travis Kelsey mm -hmm. with, um, you know, all of the bells and whistles and the gumption and the fire. He was talking trash on the sidelines, but this is not a duo that I would want to run into right now. And that's what the Niners will be facing in the Super Bowl. Yep, and we're going to hear it again and again and again over the next two weeks. But you know what? He's earned it. He was feisty before the game. I don't know if you saw Justin Tucker had his, his <laughs> the ball set up and the apparatus that holds the football. Travis Kelsey just took it and threw it out of the end zone. Like, nope, not what we're warming up. Coming up next year on the show, a duel for the ages and an animal control problem in the Alamo City. We're going to catch up on the latest in the NBA. It is a Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It is a Monday in the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Coming up. We talk about a wild weekend in the NBA, including a classic between LeBron and Steph Curry. So, Chelsea, when did you wake up not feeling well? Was it just today? Was it last night? I was going to ask about your weekend, but if you've had pink eye for most of the weekend, I would imagine you've been pretty, not a recluse, a recluse, but just sort of doing your own thing, trying to get better. Uh, well, it was yesterday. Yesterday, I kind of woke up and my eye hurt. But then throughout the day, I was watching a lot of football and I hadn't really been looking at the mirror. And then I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> there was, there was uh -oh. my eye beat red. And I was like, uh-oh, something's going on here. And then this morning I woke up with like a bunch of goop just in my eye and my Oof. eyelashes were just like glued together. So like the first 10 minutes mm. of my morning was just trying to get my eyes open. And I was like, great. Can't wait to try to apply makeup uh, on this eye that won't even open. Because that's the thing. I feel like for men, you're like, okay, well, I have pink eye, whatever. For women, it's like, do I try to apply makeup on the other side of my face and it look like at least one side looks good? Or do I try to match it and only do like a little makeup on this side? Because most of the makeup for women goes on your eye. Like, I can't do eyeliner when I have, like, goop coming out of my eye. So that was the conundrums that I was facing this morning. What did you do? Just, like, hot water just to unseal the glue? How'd you, how'd you make it happen? Quick visit to the Minute Clinic? What'd you do? Did you just use both of your fingers and just pull it open and we're just... Got it open. You're like, all right, I'm ready for action now. Well, uh, I used hot water and I used a Q-tip, if you must know. Uh, it was, you know, it's fine. Far. I'm here. Um, yeah, it's like, I'm not in war. Like, I'm all right. I will be fine. It's just the appearance part that gets me. And that's what I am trying to move past because this is a radio show, first and foremost. But I think I, my New Year's resolution is to stop worrying so much about what I look like. 
And it's difficult because, you know, Mm -hmm. I was in TV and it's very much a visual business. And I look at other women who are, you know, on TV and they only have to be on camera for like three minutes. And I'm like, Chelsea, your hair looked bad in that segment. What are you doing? Because at the end of the day, I'm here to offer insight. And even though some people on Twitter may say that I am here for my looks, but look at me now. I have pink eye and I'm still doing the show. So clearly maybe I'm here for something other than just what I look like. Because today... I would not be invited on. Oh, you'll be fine. You can barely even tell. Honest to God, you got to super, super look for it. If you're, I mean, if you're really looking for it and you know, you'd probably notice, but otherwise I wouldn't have noticed it. I'd be like, eh, maybe she's a touch tired. Who knows? You know who's not tired over the weekend? The Lakers and the Warriors who had an absolute classic on Saturday. The Lakers win 145-144 in double overtime so of course you're talking about lebron james taking on steph curry and i know it's hard to say we saw a classic especially when you're talking about the regular season but we saw a classic lebron james 36 points a career best 20 rebounds 12 assists he made two free throws with 1.2 seconds to play to give the Lakers the one-point win. Steph Curry had 46 points and 15 in overtime. So for two franchises that have struggled to meet expectations this season, it was really cool to see each of these franchises, and in particular, two of the greats of all time, have one of those battles that sort of goes back to when they were playing for NBA titles. Yeah, I was watching this game on Saturday night, and they had this really long and extensive and awesome hype video, you know, comparing both Steph and LeBron and showing them over the years. And I turned to Jake and I said, wow, they're really hyping this game up. For two teams Mm -hmm. that are hovering like right at 500, this is a far cry from, you know, the guys that we are seeing in the hype video. And it's not just because of them. It's because the teams around them. It almost felt like when you go to see one of these iconic bands perform and they still have the lead singer, but the guys around them are different. Like, have you ever Mm -hmm. experienced that? Because, like, I feel like I'm not really old enough to experience some of that where the band's different. I think the first time I saw it was when I saw, like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they're like, yeah, it's not the same (laughs) band. I was like, what? So this is – it kind of feels like that where LeBron James, I'm not going to sit here and say that – he is well past his prime because he can still do things like this, fill out the the stat Mm -hmm. sheet like this. I feel like he is still performing on a very high level, but, you know, the team around him, you know, not as good. This is not a Lakers team that is tops in the West. So it just kind of felt like that to me. Yeah, and I mean, full credit to both of these guys. It's season number 20 for LeBron and season number 15 for Steph. And I loved hearing them. You know, it's interesting to watch players evolve, not just – in how their games evolve, how their games change over time, because the older you get, you almost you almost have to evolve your game. You get left behind, right? Your body doesn't you do what it used to do, so you think, okay, what other aspects of my game can I work on to continue being the player that I've been for most of my career? So not only do things change in that way, but also attitudes change and perspectives change. And when you hear both of these guys after the game saying, yeah, It's tough to lose if you're Steph or we're lucky to win if you're LeBron. But both of them had more of a a grander perspective on, look, we've been doing this a long time. We're just both really grateful that at this point in our respective careers, we can still have a matchup like this. We can still go back and forth. And that's what happens, Chelsea, when you have nothing to prove. Do you know what I mean? So 
Now, if one of these guys somehow wins another title, that's great. But neither of these guys needs anything to prove anything to anyone. And that's what makes sort of a battle like this kind of sweet where you just sit back and you appreciate it. Right. This is a better game than I thought I was getting. Because remember, I saw that hype and this game's not going to live up to the hype. But it mm -hmm. certainly did. Uh, so you see a game like this. It's an instant classic. I did think... The, when you're reading the quotes after the game, LeBron was like, this is a game I'm going to tell my grandkids about. I said, you're not going to tell your grandkids about the time that you brought home a championship for the city of Cleveland. It's just, I nope. guess when you have that many highlights to your name, the list is so long. So I guess, you know, you'll have a lot of stories to tell your grandkids. But then you see LeBron is probably not going to be playing in tonight's game against the Rockets. And so that's when reality starts setting back in. You say, oh, we had a great game, but he's probably not going to play the next game. He's probably tired from, you know, all of that running around in yeah. overtime. If you're going to get a break, you certainly deserve it after a performance like that. What about Wimby and the Spurs upsetting the T-Wolves? 123-122. Wimby with 23 points, 10 boards. Anthony Edwards, 32 points, 12 rebounds when it was over. If you're talking about players and how they reacted after the game, Anthony Edwards said, you know what? They actually wanted it more than we did. You could tell they wanted it. And you know what? The Spurs have to want it more, and everything has to click perfectly for them to win. Just a one-point win. But this game was crazy. It was delayed by five minutes because there was a bat buzzing around on the court inside the arena. So I don't know if you saw the video. Uh, one of my favorite mascots, I love mascots. They crack me up like I'm a child. Coyote, the Spurs mascot, he tried to capture the bat multiple times. He brought out a net, and he was swinging the net around, trying to catch the bat. Didn't happen. Bat finally went away. So it was kind of a bizarre game all the way around. But I will say, and yes, Matt pointed this out, he was also in a Batman costume. Like, how quick on on its feet was the Spurs staff to say, get Coyote into a Batman costume and get a net and have him try and catch this bat. And he did in the middle of an NBA game. Amazing. So that was kind of a weird part of the game, but ultimately good on the Spurs. Still one of the worst teams in the league, but a stunning upset. I think the takeaway for me is not only is Wimby getting better, but some of these really bad losses by the Timberwolves. Like they mm -hmm. have done this a time or two so far this season, because remember that game where Carl Anthony Towns had like 64 points, they lost to the Hornets and they blew a major lead. Same thing in this one mm -hmm. where they blew a big lead and could not hang on. So for a team that's supposed to be contending in the West overall, one of the better records in the, uh, are, God, are they in the West? I just had a, a brain fart, but one yes. of the best teams in the NBA one of the best teams in the NBA, and clearly you're going to be tested in the postseason. This is not a good sign for a team that we already thought was maybe a little too young to contend uh, for the finals this year. Yeah, I, uh, it was a bad look for the Timberwolves, but I, I, I also think that every single game you see either Chet Holmgren or Victor Wimbanyama perform, those Rookie of the Year odds just switch back and forth, back and forth. They're so... Maybe volatile isn't the right word, but they do switch because it's so close right now. So you can have one guy have a great game and then the line shift and then vice versa. So something to keep an eye on. At one point, home rule was way ahead, but we started the season with Wimby being way ahead. And now we're starting to get pretty close with those guys because they both had such great rookie seasons. Then finally, the Clippers smacking around the Celtics at home. 115-96 
Only the second loss for Boston all season when playing at the Garden. And not only that, since December 1st, we've talked about the Clippers. Like them or not, they are an NBA best 22-4. and four. And I believe Kawhi Leonard didn't even play the fourth quarter in that game. He or Paul George sat out. I forget which one because I have the memory of a gnat. But one of the stars sat out in the fourth quarter. They didn't even need him because they were dominating this game so thoroughly. And I always wonder, are the Clippers going to put it together after this trade? Man, they look fantastic. They look as good as anyone in the NBA right now. Well, this is a big stretch for them. And this will be very telling of how much grit this team has. Because this is uh, the middle of a seven-game uh, road trip for the Clippers because we've got the Grammys going on at the Staples Center or whatever they call it now. So, you know, this is uh, a stretch where normally you would say, okay, this is a team that, you know, has not played at home for a while. But meanwhile, the Clippers just now uh, rattling off mm-hmm. big wins against the Celtics. We'll see if they can keep it going. Yeah, man. Crypto.com. Isn't it Crypto.com Arena now? Used to be Staples Center. Oh, man. I miss the Staples Center. And I know I saw a lot of people say, oh, why do you even care? Why do you care? Who cares? Just changing the name. If you played at home somewhere for 20 years, what about your hometown? What if they changed the name of your hometown randomly? You grew up somewhere, you'd be like, that's, that's not will always be Staples to me. That's the way I look at it. Come on back to the show. Yeah, the NFL crowned a couple of champions over the weekend, but that doesn't mean our MVP Monday will come from the gridiron. We'll talk about that next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.